Welcome to Cinemadness. My name is Kent, and this is WBRS 100.1 FM Waltham. So today we're going to be talking about um, Christopher Nolan. Now, he's one of the best directors uh, of our time right now, one of the best modern directors. He's very committed to real special effects, not that much on uh, computer-generated images. But he really does a great job, and he's made one of the some of the best movies that I've ever enjoyed in just in the past decade. Uh, he hasn't done anything um, recent that for a reason why I'm talking uh, to give me a reason why I'm talking about him, but because in honor of the Batman vs Superman movie, since he directed the last three Batman, I decided why not. So in honor of that, I'm going to get started with the Dark Knight trilogy. And I'm going to talk about Batman Begins first. Now, it came out in 2005, and it was probably the, the biggest departure from the norm, that they, uh, normal tone that they used to, um, to create a Batman film. Uh, Adam West was a little quirky and... Uh, Campy, um, Tim Burton's in uh, 1989. While it was somewhat similar in the dark tone, it was still a little bit more silly than dark. And then we have Joel Schumacher, which he did. He did a terrible job. Extremely campy. Extremely terrible. And then Christopher Nolan. Uh, Christopher Nolan did. Um, he did a great great job because he had to say he had to revitalize a um, franchise that was coming back from Arnold Schwarzenegger as a big blue man and that's pretty hard <laughs> um, just a giant Austrian just saying the worst puns possible and he created a Really, he created a new departure. Um, he departed from that old, campy stuff, and just created a new, dark, serious, real-world uh, Batman that made it seem like it was plausible to have a vigilante like this running around in the cities, in a metropolis. Um, basically, Batman Begins is about how Bruce Wayne got. Um, to be Batman through um, training by Ra's al Ghul, played by Liam Neeson, and he uh, and um, he has to fight a very corrupt um, psychiatrist. And I'm not going to tell you anymore because that's going to ruin the plot. But that psychiatrist is a famous um, a famous villain in the comic books, but I'm not going to discuss it. So in terms of how well it was acted, um, Ros, um, Ra's al Ghul, played by Liam Neeson, was portrayed very well. It was, it was the first time he's actually been portrayed in real life, uh, as opposed to just animated. And I think Liam Neeson did a fantastic job uh, just portraying this rich um, millionaire who just... Has who's, feels very strongly about uh, with certain beliefs, and is very stubborn about it. Um, Bruce Wayne is played by 
Christian Bale. Now, Christian Bale, he doesn't do his best performance of his career, but he does a very, very good job because it's, pro- it's probably my favorite Batman, um, just like a little ahead of uh, Michael Keaton. But Bruce Wayne, um, uh, sorry, Christian Bale, he really mastered both the Batman persona as well as the Bruce Wayne persona. And that's pretty hard to do considering you have to play two people on completely opposite on the uh, uh, on the complete opposites of a certain spectrum. And you have one who's just a rich, cultured, spoiled brat, and you have another who's just beating bad guys to a pulp with his bare fists. And I think when they when they um, try to cast these uh, Batman uh, actors, what they look for is the combo between being able to play both a good Batman and Bruce Wayne. Now, in terms of Ben Affleck coming up next week, personally, I think he's a much more of a Bruce Wayne than a Batman. But I can't really argue anymore about it because I haven't seen it. Um, Commissioner Gordon, played by Gary Oldman, it's it's nothing amazing, but he does a very solid job of being just a down-to-earth cop surrounded by corrupt uh, corrupt cops who just cannot stop breaking the law, obviously. Um, the writing, I believe it was written by uh, Christopher Nolan. Most of what he directs, it was writ- it's written by him and occasionally alongside his brother. Um, but the writing is very good. Some consider Batman Begins to be the best of the three movies. I think it's second, but a lot of people very much enjoy it. It has a great plot, um, great story, and I I can't really think of any plot holes at the moment for the movie. Uh, the production design is very good for what uh, for what budget. Christopher Nolan got. Now, this was the first Batman. They weren't too enthusiastic on rebooting it after the um, other movie, <laughs> the um, uh, Ice, um, uh, Mr. Freeze uh, Batman. But uh, they had a very good production, sometimes a little bit noticeable with um, all this brown and all the miniatures that he may use for the skyline. But overall, for, for what he had, he did a very good job in creating such a, a dark and brooding um, uh, Gotham, and he was able to parallel that identity of Gotham with Batman. And I think he did a very good job. Cinematography was done by Wally Pfister, um, he's the usual collaborator with Christopher Nolan on almost every project he's ever done. And I, and I can't really say that I'm blown away by the cinematography because if I were, I would remember a specific moment in the film where I'd be like, that's amazing cinematography. Like, everything looks very nice, 
but I don't see any shots that are out of the ordinary or just amazing to me. Um, on to our uh, editing. Christopher Nolan is the reason why we don't have that much um, um, handheld action in our um, Batman movies because the there was a trend going where they would have a, they would have a handheld um, filming and they would just cut and cut and cut from different angles and it would just be exhausting for the listener. But he decided to have shots where the fighters were just in the center, surrounded by their their interesting, uh, their amazing environment. For example, when Christian Bale is being trained by um, Liam Neeson, they're doing so over an iceberg, and you just have a brilliant shot of just them two fighting with uh, very good choreography, and. Um, it doesn't, and um, the beauty of the shot does not take away from the action that's taking place just directly in front of you. Now the direction is very, very good. Well, personally, I have a very big bias on Christopher Nolan because he's he's created some of the, my favorite movies ever, and I think when he has a vision, he sticks to it. Um, he can get a little pretentious at times. And I'll discuss some of the uh, examples of that later on. But in Batman Begins, I feel that he did a very solid job, a very humble job of creating the perfect representation of what Gotham and Batman had to be, especially after a void of good Batman movies that had been occurring for the past, I think it was 17 years since Michael Keaton's Batman. So I think his precise direction helped revitalize the character. And finally, soundtrack. Now, some of you know that my favorite part, um, uh, not my favorite part, but I find the soundtrack very important. I love soundtracks. Um, each track in an album means something. It was made specifically for one scene and for one um, emotional arc that a character may, go, may be going through. And I feel that you have to um, appreciate how great, how much the um, composer works, and it's composed by Hans Zimmer, one of the um, more popular composers right now. He's done most of Christopher Nolan's movies, and he's done a um, he's done um, Spider-Man. He's done Man of Steel. He's done uh, The Thin Red Line. He's done Twelve Years a Slave. Um, and he's done a lot more, and I highly recommend you go check him out if you're into that stuff. If you're not, that's that's fine. But I I I do highly recommend that you listen to his albums. Now, in honor of the next movie that I'm going to be um, discussing, I am going to take a break, but uh, I will be playing the um, theme to the next movie I'll be discussing, which is The Dark Knight. So this is A Watchful Guardian.
All right. <clears throat> that was A Watchful Guardian by Hans Zimmer and uh, in collaboration with James Newton Howard for The Dark Knight. Now, because I'm going to be discussing The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises, I think I, I think I think I think I made my point um, about how much of a great job that Christopher Nolan did just when I was talking about Batman Begins. I'm just going to summarize both of them quickly because um, I do want to get to his other films. So first, The Dark Knight, the best of the three, in my opinion, not only because it had the Joker, but because it was a great story and because he just... He knew exactly what he was doing, and he built a world that was very crucial to the character of Batman. And when he created an antagonist as great as the Joker, you have to you have to cast a great actor, and he did, and he used Heath Ledger. And Heath Ledger pro- um, portrayed probably the best Joker, live-action Joker at least, that we've had ever. And some may say, oh, Jared Leto might be better in 2016 in this year's uh, Suicide Squad, but I don't think so. I think he looks too much of a meth addict, and I I don't feel very attached to that character in any way. It just looks absurd. But that's not for me to judge until I actually <laughs> watch the movie. But it's just my first opinion. Anyway, um, and Heath Ledger did such a great performance that he actually won a um an Oscar after his and after his death uh for portraying the uh Joker and I think it showed that comic book movies could actually win one of the major categories at the Academy Awards. And it was it was sad because everyone uh was mourning his uh recent death. But it was also um it also showed that comic book movies can be taken more seriously. And um, I think that Heath Ledger did a fantastic job, but it was uh, Christopher Nolan's directing and his writing, possibly with his brother, I don't remember, that helped create the role. So if I were to give Batman Begins an A-, I'd give The Dark Knight an A+. And then moving on to um, The Dark Knight Rises, a lot of people, a lot of people hate this film for its quote-unquote plot holes. Um, I I can find a lot of the plot holes that people claim to be as plausible. Um, uh, but of course, there are, there are so numerous that I can't defend all of them with uh, just as enough, um, of it, uh, just, uh, just as good an argument. And... Well, and it, but it, even if there were some plot holes, I do find it very entertaining. Um, the action is a little lacking in the middle, but I don't find that a problem because, you know, he uh, replaced it with substance and political um, drama and revolution and a bunch of policemen trying to revolt against this insane dictator very well portrayed by Tom Hardy, who played Bane. And everyone says that his voice is is not very clear. I wouldn't blame you, but, you know, what what did you expect? He has a giant piece of 20-pound metal on his face. He's not going to be as clear as you want him to be. But he did a great job. So if I were to 
give it a rating, I would I would give uh, Batman, uh, The Dark Knight Rises a B plus. Um, all three are directed by Nolan, and all three feature um, the cinematographer Wally Pfister, and all three are um, compo- their soundtracks are composed by Hans Zimmer. <coughs> Sorry. So I would highly recommend Hans Zimmer, and you go check him out. I mean, those soundtracks are going to be a bit redundant after uh, once you listen to them back to back. A Watchful Guardian is probably your best chance, the one I just played. Um, but you should definitely check out his other work. Moving on, I'm going to talk about Memento now. Now, Memento, it might not... Personally, I think it's his best directed film of all of them, but it's not his most entertaining film. Um, And by that, I mean it's really fun. It's very interesting. I just found some of his stuff a little more entertaining, a little more interesting. And it's not even the second, maybe not even the third. Um, But his direction is outstanding. He wrote the screenplay and he directed it. And you just have Guy Pearce performing very, very well, uh, performing just... um, a man who has very short-term memory and can't create new memories um, after the death of his wife, and he's trying to find her murderer. But unfortunately, after 10 minutes, he just gets amnesia and just ref- just refresh. Like, he'll be in the middle of a chase scene, and then he'll just forget everything, and they'll wonder, why am I in a chase scene? He'll even ask himself, is he chasing me or am I chasing him? So it's... Um, it's very interesting. I highly recommend you give that a watch. It's on Netflix currently, and I do recommend it. Um, it is um, it is um, edited in a way where you have the ending of the film uh, come first, and then we go to um, the most recent of events. So it goes backwards. So you have a five to seven minute scene, and then you have a flash. And then it goes uh, forward and um, backward in time to the five to seven minutes previous to that and so on. And um, he has to figure out who's lying to him, who isn't, who's trustworthy, um, and who's actually helping him and who's not. Uh, So I highly recommend you give that a watch. I would give Memento an A-. Up next, I'm going to talk about Insomnia. Probably his uh, least known film. It stars Al Pacino, Hilary Swank, and Robin Williams. I believe it's also on Netflix. It is probably... It is the most underrated film of all of his work. Because nobody knows what it is. Nobody's ever heard of it. And it's the movie between Memento and Batman Begins that everyone seems to forget. Because... Why not? I mean, both of those were such great works that um, how could you remember Al Pacino not being able to sleep in Alaska? But that being said, it's very well directed. There's um, a lot of great imagery with the fo- with uh, fog and um, certain aspects of, of, you guessed it, insomnia that make this uh, movie so gripping and so intense. And this murder mystery 
um, and the guilt that Al Pacino goes through through his character is very well understood, both in a uh, written way and in an acted way. And I do give props to um, Al Pacino and the late Robin Williams, who was um, starting to do more dramatic work at the time with you know Dead Poets Society and Good Will Hunting. He decided to do this. It's a very serious role. He took it very seriously. Um, and he does perform very, very well. Not his best work, but he does do a great job. It seems that everybody tries their best for Christopher Nolan because he is probably the most ambitious and the uh, director that's going to be shooting uh, that's going to shoot highest among current uh, directors. Um, if I were to give Insomnia a rating, I would give it a um, an A plus. I mean a B plus. My bad. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go off the air for a couple seconds, and I will be playing um, the movie I'm gonna be discussing next, Inception, and it's gonna be time.
All right. That was Time by Hans Zimmer and um, featured in Inception, directed by Christopher Nolan. And that track is probably my favorite song at the moment. It's just so great, so so um, deep and so poignant, uh, yet so simple. And it works perfectly with a lot of scenes and movies. Um, so back to Inception. Now, Inception is um, probably, personally, I think Inception is his uh, best film because I see very... I see almost no problems, and the ones that and the problems that they do ha- that it does have, they're minor. Um, they are things that I only nitpick, and I can just you know barely um, check uh, squeeze in. Um, I really can't say anything negative about Inception. It's just such a great, great movie starring um, a great cast of Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, uh, Tom Hardy, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, uh, Ellen Page, um, and a cast of other characters that I unfortunately <laughs> cannot remember. Um, but they do a fantastic job of infiltrating a businessman uh, played by um, Cillian Murphy, or Killian, I'm not sure. Um, but he does, but they infiltrate his mind and they try to steal um corporate secrets via dream espionage it's not only an intense um drama through the story arc that leonardo dicaprio goes through but it's also a very intense heist and it's very high stakes and i find myself that when i rewatch it i just i feel that i'm completely um um i don't know what the story's about it just Everything renews for me, and I and I really do enjoy every moment of the film. I really have nothing negative to say about it. The special effects are amazing. It won the Oscar for Best Special Effects. Um, and uh, once again, Hans Zimmer uh, direct um, composed the score. He was nominated for it, but unfortunately lost to The Social Network, which is unfortunate. Um, Personally, I would prefer Hans Zimmer to win. Um, the only time he's won is for The Lion King. Uh, so you should still check him out because he, cre- he wrote The Lion King, but um, he he creates one of the best score, one of his best scores, or one of the best scores of all time. So I would I would give Inception an A plus. Um, moving on, uh, back two years, uh, back four years actually to two thousand six. He wrote The Prestige, and The Prestige is about two magicians competing to get the glory and to outdo one another, and they just take it too far, and the illusions, both visually and um, through the screenplay, are very, very um, shrouded in secrecy, and you just, you're on the edge of your seat, and it was just a real puzzle in some way that's more of a puzzle than Inception, which prided itself on being a giant maze. Um, it's uh, got Christian Bale uh, as one of the uh, magicians, and the other is uh, Hugh Jackman, and they just fight for the glory of being the best uh, magician ever, or illusionist. Um, 
and I don't really want to say anymore because that'll just ruin the film. So I am I'm not going to say anything, and I'm um, just going to say that you should definitely watch it. It it's features uh, the late David Bowie, as well as uh, Andy Serkis, and no, he's not performing any weird CGI roles. Uh, he's just playing uh, as himself in the flesh, and I really do uh, think that The Prestige is a, a close second to Inception in terms of entertainment. I do highly recommend. I don't think it's on. I don't think it's on Netflix right now. It was at one point, but it's not anymore. So that's unfortunate. <laughs> uh, but I do recommend you give it a watch. And finally, his most recent film, Interstellar. Now, Interstellar has had a lot of um, both good. Uh, has been very divisive among fans, and I think that. Um, I, I disagree. I, I think Interstellar was amazing. When I first walked out of the theater, I just felt so amazed by how um, cinematically that was just perfect. Not not in a uh, written way, but in a um, technical way. The special effects were glorious. The music was amazing. The um, The acting was very, very well done by Matthew McConaughey and um, David Gyasi and uh, Michael Caine and um, Casey Affleck and um, Jessica Chastain. The only one that ki- and the only one that kind of slipped up was uh, Anne Hathaway, and I didn't really care for her character that much, which is a bit of a uh, a screenplay flaw. And she has this very 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 uh, bad monologue about love and. The importance of it that just felt forced for the plot. Um, so when you when you watch it, you will know it, because I heard a lot of stickering in the theater, including my own, when I when I was listening to her half cry about these weird theories on love. Anyway, back to the <laughs> back to the movie. Um, the direction is just impeccable. He he prides himself on his lack of. CGI uh, for most of his uh, special effects shots um, in an all-water world that's just covered entirely in water. They went to this uh, lake in, I believe, Ireland, or maybe Scotland, where that's known for just being the f- one of the flattest lakes in the world uh, with a lot of fog, and they just cr- built a giant spaceship um, and landed it on top of the water there and just started filming. Um, the spaceship that you see landing on that all-water planet is no CGI. That's a real live piece of cardboard. <laughs> um, and that just shows how much of an effort, how uh, much effort he puts into his uh, visuals. And you have to commend Christopher Nolan for that. Um, and Interstellar won the Oscar for Best Special Effects that year. So you know where I'm coming from when I say that this is an assault on the eyes with amazing visual effects. So these effects alone are a reason why you should watch the movie. And there's also very um, there are also very nice moments in the film. Um, the special effects are what you're going for. And um, when I saw it in IMAX, it was just something that I will never forget um, in a cinematic standpoint.
from a cinematic standpoint. Now, because um, some of the uh, writing was a little flawed, I would have to rate um, Interstellar an A-, only because while it was flawed, I still enjoyed the film a lot, and I still found it rewatchable, which is uh, not a lot, which is uh, something odd that people might not agree with. Um, this is my show, and I can say whatever I want, so it's their problem. I I liked it. I would rewatch it, and I'd give it an A minus. So now, in honor, in honor of um, Interstellar, I'm going to play one of uh, their pieces. From the soundtrack before we get to movie news, because the news that I have does not involve any audio. So I'm just going to stretch to the discussion of uh, in, uh, Interstellar. And uh, once again, it's composed by Hans Zimmer. And I really hope you enjoy one of my favorite pieces of all time after time, really, from Inception. So please enjoy No Time for Caution.
That was No Caution and No Time for Caution by Hans Zimmer. Um for movie news, I'm going to be sticking with Christopher Nolan, and I'm going to be discussing what his uh, newest project is going to be. Now, it's called um, Dunkirk, and it's going to be coming out July 21st, 2017, and it's about the legendary uh, Dunkirk uh, evacuation in 1940 of France. Um, and it's going to star um, recent Oscar winner Mark Rylance, um, Tom Hardy, frequent collaborator, and also a recent nominee, lost to Mark Rylance, and uh, Kenneth Branagh, who is an actor-director. Who's, he's pretty good. I'm not going to say he's the best, but he's, he's a pretty good actor. Um, the film is going to be shot in a combination of IMAX and 65mm film, which is going to look beautiful in its large format uh uh, large, just large format, uh, period. Um, he's going to be uh, producing it with his wife and longtime producing partner, Emma Thomas. And um, it's, uh, they're going st- to start shooting uh, this May. And what's interesting is he's going, he loves just being on the real side of things, using, uh, using almost no CGI and using all practical effects. And he's actually uh, filming in Dunkirk, the site of the evacuation, so he's going to be going into abandoned um, buildings and bombed streets, and he's going to be re- um, recounting to us uh, the horror of World War II and their evacuation of the area. And um, this kind of shows how Christopher Nolan is evolving into a, his... Uh, Steven Spielberg-esque phase um, where he was doing great blockbuster um, narratives uh, like uh, The Dark Knight and Inception and uh, now he's doing a uh, World War II film just like how Steven Spielberg did stuff like Jaws and and E.T. and Indiana Jones and then and then amazed everyone with Saving Private Ryan and I think that this strong parallel is going to show us how great this movie is going to be. I mean, I have personal bias because Christopher Nolan's my favorite director right now. Um, but I uh, I can say that um, it's going to be very very well acted, uh, very uh, well acted, and is also composed by you guessed it, Hans Zimmer. Um, and it's going to feel so real because. They recently got permission to film on a French battleship that just got refurbished and uh, and uh, re- um, not uh, recommissioned, but was now open to the public. And uh, he's going to be shooting in the claustrophobic battleship and along the sides. And it's just amazing how how much they're they're letting him uh, use. So I can't wait for this film that's going to be visually stunning and hopefully going to have a great narrative within its screenplay. Uh, There are rumors that um, Harry Styles from One Direction is going to be in it. I hope not, because not only do I doubt that he's a good actor, but it will take away uh, from the realistic nature and grandeur of the film, and 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 I don't see any good coming out of that. With that being said, I 
I'm done with my movie news, and I want to thank you for listening to me once again uh, this Saturday evening. I will not be in next week. I'll be out of town. Um, I will be reviewing um, Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice, two weeks from today, uh, hopefully with a panel again. That'll be uh, fun and interesting. And I do hope you enjoy um, your two weeks without me. Um, if you want to listen to my blogs again, please uh, go to cinemadnessmr.blogspot.com where you will find last week's uh, recording as well as this week's. But that'll be posted tomorrow. And if you have any uh, requests um, for me to discuss, um, you can email me at cinemadnessmoviereviews at gmail.com and email to the same uh, address if you want to come and join me on, on a panel and uh, join discussion and we'll talk. So that's all for from, from me. Um, since I have another five minutes, I'm going to try to find a nice song to play because I, I did end a little early. wasn't anticipating it. Um, I'm going to stick to Hans Zimmer because I'm sure you all love it right now. Um, here we go. All right. Um, on, uh, I will go to uh, Man of Steel. Um, he, um, he composed it. It's called What Are You Going to Do uh, When You're Done Saving the World? Um, you may think that Man of Steel has nothing to do with Chris Nolan. You're wrong. It's produced by them. Uh, produced and the story was somewhat by them, but not the screenplay. Um, so please enjoy this, sound, this song from Man of Steel in, uh, uh, just to hype you up for next week's gladiator match.
That was What Are You Gonna Do uh, When You're Done Saving the World from the Man of Steel soundtrack composed by Hans Zimmer. I want to thank you for listening. Please stay tuned to my next show in two weeks, Saturdays at 8 o'clock. This is WBRS 100.1 FM, Waltham.